Thank you for listening to the Habits and Hustle podcast made possible by our friends at True Niagen. So I've been a huge fan of True Niagen for years and I'm excited to share that I've recently began partnering with them. I literally don't miss a day taking it and think if you're only going to take one supplement, this is the one. And here's why, with of course a little bit of added science lesson for you. Our bodies produce a molecule called NAD, which is critical for cellular energy and repair. But the levels sadly decline as we age. A nutrient that can help increase our NAD is a form of vitamin B3 called nicotamide robicide. That's a mouthful, or otherwise known as NR. The most efficient way to get this is with a supplement like Trinogen because it's the best NAD precursor. True Niagen helps support our bodies against everyday stressors that can damage our cells like overeating, drinking, or staying up too late. In my opinion, no one is too young to take it. I wish I had known about this in my early 30s because I would have been all over it. What's most amazing is that True Niagen is backed by 18 clinical trials and has the endorsements of two Nobel Prize winning scientists. Go check it out at trueniagen.com. That's trueniagen, T-R-U-N-I-A-G-N. And we have a special offer for new customers to receive 20% off orders of $100 or more using the code HUSTLE20. Definitely run, don't walk, to scoop some up today. Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on the podcast, we have Jenna Kutcher. Guys, uh, I really love Jenna. She is a woman who can do it all. She had a corporate job, left because she always loved photography, became a super successful photographer, and then pivoted again to the online digital space where she now has these online marketing courses that are well-known and so popular that helps thousands, millions of people chase their dreams and really kind of go after what they want. She also has a podcast called Gold Digger, again, super successful, where it's a live workshop style business podcast where she helps people to redefine what success is to them and chase what they want. Of course, that's my philosophy. So you can imagine how much I love this kid. She also has just developed a really successful company, um, developed a really thriving brand, has created a beautiful family, and now is also an author. Her book is called How Are You Really? And it's a great read. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I really enjoyed having this conversation with Jenna, and I hope you do too. Leave me a comment, a review, and let me know your thoughts. Thank you. So today on the podcast, we have Jenna Kutcher, who is a very, has a very, very popular podcast. I mean, in the top, is it the top? It's the number one marketing podcast in the country. The number, how many, and 65 da- million downloads, right? Yeah, and, and counting. Yes. It's called Gold Digger. I love that name. Yeah, thank you. And also she's uh, an author now, yeah. wrote uh, we were just saying before we started a really good book and it's called how are you really mm-hmm. and i have to say also you're a very just overall super capable you've like pivoted from one career to another to another and this is actually the first time i've ever met you yeah um i feel like we're old friends i feel so. like yeah you're from minnesota we would just hang out <laughs> uh, i'm from winnipeg you're from minnesota yes. like you're like my kind of person yes. already right Yes. This is really a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh my God. Absolutely. I know you're tired. You've been doing the whole like podcast after podcast in LA. It's great. It's a privilege. You know, as a podcast host, it's really fun to be on the other side. Right. And it is just such a privilege and an honor because it's like people are inviting me onto their platforms and I really don't take it lightly. So truly, thank you for having oh me. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. I, I'm I'm honored to have you. I love how you've built your business. You've created your business. You've been doing it, as you said, unapologetically being you, yeah. which I think is why you are as successful as you are. There's a lot of people I think out there who pretend to be authentic, yes, but not really authentic. Yes. And that's part of your whole, the, the whole charm of you. Right. Yeah. And I have to say also 
Well, what actually, let me say this first. What made you now decide to even put out a book? You're so busy. You have a mo- you're a mom of two. Yeah. Uh, you're, how old is your youngest now? So my baby is going to be six months old. Wow. Yeah. And then my other daughter's three and a half. Right. So you're like I'm in, in the, the weeds. Thick of yeah. It. I am in the thick of motherhood. Holy. <laughs> and so like with that, yeah. you also wrote the book. Yeah. On your own. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been, it's crazy. So, I mean, just to give a context of like what I mean by in the weeds. So this is my first trip in nine months without yeah. children. I was up at 3 a.m. talking my three-year-old who woke up screaming for me telling her how to breathe for an hour last night to help her fall back asleep while pumping. And then I get up and go on a whole day. And you know what though? It's crazy because I've always been a believer that we can do both. And I know you feel the same way in terms of motherhood and career, but it is not easy. No. And it comes with a lot of sacrifice and it comes with this constant questioning of like, am I in the right place at this moment? Yeah. It's, it's great, interesting. That's a great way of putting it. I I feel that it's, you know, I think the sacrifice is a really great word to put because at the end of the day, my kids will always come first. Yes. I'm sure with you too. Yes. And sometimes I don't think it's sometimes a lot of my, sometimes my career will, will suffer because I have mm-hmm. to say no. Absolutely. And you can't have a flourishing social life plus yeah. have a flourishing <laughs> yeah. you know marriage and a flourishing like family life and then also have a career so mm-hmm. there is this balance thing that has to happen how do you balance it like what, what's your kind of ratio what are you yeah. doing balance is such a tricky word because i actually studied the word because it was really bothering me because i was like i don't i don't know why this doesn't stick with me. And the reason why is like balance is like having the scales be totally even Mm -hmm. and staying there. And to me, balance is like a split second where it's like, whoa, I found it. But like, it's not sustainable in my opinion. You're right. And so I've found that the word blend feels a little bit better to me. And I think it actually is very fitting for the culture that we live in, where it's like in the last few years, if you were fortunate enough to be able to, you suddenly had to integrate all the pieces of you in one building, right? From home, like Mm -hmm. work, you, mom, you, wife, you, partner, you, friend, you, like you became a whole person under one roof. And so for me, what's interesting, and and I like that you said too, like the authenticity piece is that my values are not just things I speak about. It's how I show up and live. And it, they're very obvious, like yeah. it, it, it's undeniable. And so when I think about like the idea of balance, it feels very intimidating to me because like you said, I feel like something always has to be the focus and the other things kind of fade a little bit. Yeah, totally. And when you start to realize that focus is off, it's just like my photography career. You just shift the focus a bit and, and widen the lens. So that's kind of how I approach it, but I don't get it right all the time. That's for sure. Well, like how, cause you've built such a big online business, yeah. right? Like, let, so you went from being an HR yes. person, then an ex- executive, and then you decide, you know, I really don't like this. Yes. So I'm going to pivot and, and, and make my passion, my, my real life job. Yeah. And you became a very successful photographer mm-hmm. and then you pivoted again. So what's that quality? Like, what do you think it is about you? If you would say like, is it just, tenacity and drive that you're able to do that? Like what would say, what would you say the reasons are that you were able to pivot like that and have the confidence to do that? I mean, I've pivoted like so many times in a decade. Oh, a ton. (laughs) But but what's actually even more impressive than just pivoting? Yeah. You keep on pivoting with like real success. Yeah. Not bullshit. Yes. True success. I believe that too. At the top of your field. Yeah. I received that. You know, what's funny is that I think why it's worked is because I've always stayed in alignment with where I feel Mm -hmm. like I need to go. And the other piece of that is that I unintentionally at the beginning and then very intentionally once I realized it, Built a brand and not a business. A lot of people have businesses mm-hmm. where you sell a product or you have an offer, right? Mm-hmm. People then only have an opportunity to care about that offer. A brand is the personality behind any offer. Yes. My offer has changed 
10 times over the last decade, people stay with me because they care more about the personality, AKA me yeah. than the actual presented offer. So I have lived many lifetimes in a decade. I'm yeah. only 34. And so when I, I think about all the things that I've done, the reason why I think they've all been successful is one, I haven't been afraid to stand at a starting line and say, I'm going to qualify myself right now for this race, even though I don't know what it's going to be like to run it. But two, I am staying so aligned with what I feel like is the next best move that even if I fail, it doesn't feel like failure. It's like an experiment that yields a result that gives me information to move forward. Where does that inner confidence come from? I have no idea. I wish I, I wish I knew. And I have always had it. Yeah. Um, In your book, you talk about having when you were like a little, little kid, little girl. So we would be at the ice rink, which my mm -hmm. Canadian here can uh, relate could, to. Yes, I can very and much. And my brother was a hockey player and I, we spent so many hours at the rink and I would be this little girl on these double bladed unicorn skates. And I would literally just go up to people and be like, hi, I'm Jenna, J-E-N-N-A. Do you want to be my friend? And I mean, my mom would like see this like little tyke, like skating around with high schoolers because I was just willing to go up and like start a conversation. Yeah. And I think that my confidence, because even in doing interviews and stuff lately, I, I have this level of self-belief that I hope doesn't come across as boastful or anything, but I feel good in my skin yeah. and I feel aligned with what I'm doing and I don't apologize for those things. Yeah. And so it is, I, I wish I had like an answer of like, because I want to know as a mom, yeah. how do I instill this in my daughters? Well, you know what I find so interesting? Cause I, I feel it from yeah. you. Like even when you walked in here, you just have like, you, you can tell you're very comfortable in your skin and yeah. you are who you are. And, you know, that could even actually be sometimes maybe even intimidating for people who don't feel that way, yeah. right? Because you so clearly have it. Yeah. And it's one of those things, if you can bottle that, oh, yeah. it would be such a million a, dollar business. A million dollar business. <laughs> because <laughs> because that's, the, that's like the missing key yeah. that a lot of people like grapple with, right? Yeah. And so- you know, do you think that it was from also, because in your book, you talk about this, you had a really strong support system, like your family was like that. Mm -hmm. And that helped probably. Yeah, my family is very unreal. And I recognize that. Yeah. One of the things that I love about the blessings in my life is that I see them as I'm living them. Like I don't take them for granted. And my parents raised us to be incredibly hard workers. There's a story in my book that I love, um, and I always get emotional when I tell it, but my parents were really hard workers and they didn't always have the resources available to them. And um, I wanted to be a gymnast and I loved gymnastics. Oh, I still love it to this day. And um, I was supposed to move up to a new gym and like the tuition costs were really high. And my family couldn't afford it. But my parents never once said no, which they absolutely had every right to. But they said, we'll figure it out. And my mom, one day she was watching me practice and she kind of looked over to the side and saw that there was a kitchen in the gym and it was like super outdated. And she said, you know, I could I could paint the cabinets, change out the hardware like I'm going to I'm going to talk to the gym owner and just see if I can, you know, make a contract or something that will make us be able to afford this. Mm -hmm. And something that my parents taught me, and they went on to do this, and ev every single year that I was a gymnast, for many years, the gym would close down for one week. My entire family, my grandparents would come in, and we renovated the gym from corner to corner, from the locker room to the bathroom. We did all wow. the work so that I could do my dream. And as a mom now, I'm like, holy crap, that is so cool. That like my mom, who was a nurse, saw this like opportunity and was like, if there's a will, there's a way. Wow. And I feel like when I think about like the support of my family, it really does like make me a little weepy because I feel that one, I'm fortunate to have it, but two, my parents instilled this resourcefulness within me to figure things out mm -hmm. and to trust in my ability to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't get scared of not knowing how to do something. I wrote a book. I've never written a book before. That doesn't scare me because I know I can figure it out. See, see that's um, because of the inner like confidence that yeah. you have. Like, yeah. so like that book, like that's like a massive undertaking. I'm finishing mine. Also, I have one that comes out in December. And yeah. it, like 
the, the time. A lot of work. Oh my God. <laughs> Nobody it's, knows. Oh, it's so <laughs> time consuming. It's crazy. And your book is like legit. Like it's long. It's mm-hmm. like 321 pages. There's a lot of content in there. Yeah. And it's like, it feels like, even though I just met you, it feels like you, like yeah. you can tell oh, you yeah. wrote that book. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, how are you able to do that? Do your podcast, do your online business? Like, how are you splitting your time? Yeah, it's okay. So it's really crazy because I did the book thing entirely backwards and I did it that way intentionally. Okay. I'm going to share this because I want to give your listeners permission to do things in a way that serves them. So I had gotten different requests throughout the years of agents or publishers saying like, we think you should write a book. Right. And every single time I said no to the point where I had a Gmail folder that said, if I write a book and I told my team, if anything comes through, put it in there. I don't even want to see it. Wow. I never felt ready for it and not in a way that I wasn't ready to approach it, but I didn't know what it would be. And for so long, people would tell me, Jenna, your next book or your first book is going to be this. This is the idea. And the second somebody gave me an idea, it squashed every ounce of creativity. The second part of that is that I have been a successful entrepreneur for many years now. How many years would you say? A decade. A decade. Yeah. yeah. And the minute that money gets involved, I lack creativity. Like I wanted to write words that tell and not words that sell. And I knew that if somebody had given me a book deal and said, here's your deadline, I would just have analysis paralysis and stare at the blinking cursor all day. Yeah. So I literally wrote the book without telling my mom with only really letting my husband and one person in. And I wrote the whole thing. And I had the funny thing about this process is, and Jen, you can relate to this, is that they say like writing a book is like birthing a baby, right? Well, I wrote my book while pregnant and like handed in my final manuscript 10 days before my baby was born. And so I was like simultaneously pregnant writing this book. But it's crazy because for so long I said I would never do it. Yeah. The never was wrong. And I love contradicting myself (laughs) because I'm an evolving human being. But the process and the way that the traditional world was didn't suit me. So I did it all backwards. I wrote the book, then got the agent, then got the book deal. And I did it that way intentionally to protect my creativity and to make sure that like, even if not a single person read it, it mattered to me. That's amazing. Cause you know what the process usually is you, you know, you write like a chapter yeah. and like your, what your treatment sample, is, yeah, sample, yes. all that stuff. And like, what was be, what's fearful about how you did it is in the process, usually the publisher has a million notes. I don't want it like this. I don't want it like that. Yeah. We got to switch it. Your book was done. Yeah. So did you have to like, when oh, you had so, to change everything, I was going to say, did you have to change a bunch of Literally stuff? Literally everything. So get this. Okay. So the book that I wrote in silence and solitude yeah. was a business book. Really? Yes. My book, How Are You Really, is not a business book. It's not. So I, and this is something that I think a lot of women do. We are known for things, right? Mm -hmm. Like Jen, you are known in the health space. You are known in the wellness space. You are known for these certain things that you have done in your career. And people like to box you in as those things. I talk about it all the time. Yep. And so... I believed Miss Jenna Kutcher, host of the Gold Digger podcast, must write a business book. Thank God my agent resonated with all of the pieces about life. And she said, this is so much more than business. And the wake up call for me was, Jenna, close your eyes and imagine your book in a Barnes and Noble. Where do you see it? I said, I don't really see it next to all the rich white guys in the entrepreneurial space. I don't. Um, so when I got my book deal, it was like a conversation of like, we love what you wrote, but like, we need to broaden this. And it, I mean, it was a lot of work, but I don't regret the way that I did it because everything unfolded as it should. So, I mean, it was a lot of reworking. We were able to keep a lot of what I had done, but we had to restructure a whole lot. It was like relaying the foundation. Oh my God. And like that in itself, like writing a whole book again. Yeah. But I loved it. You know what's wild is like I have loved every part of the process. The parts that people hate, like the editing process, loved it. Like I, I've loved really? it a lot. I love. I don't know. It just. I don't know. It's. I loved every part of it, 
And I'm shocked by that. Because it feels like you too. Like, I mean, just by list, like, like you're, you know, you're very, you're a good wordsmith. Like, yeah. You've like, just how you said, you said like, I want a book that tells, not sells. Yeah. And like, I have a ton of these things that you say. I'm like, that's great. Breakthroughs, roadblocks. Like, yeah. you've re- really, you have a gift of the, mm-hmm. of that. Like, Thank you. did you, were you like that as a kid? Were you a good writer when yeah. you were younger? I was. And like, I've written a lot in Instagram captions over yeah, the years. I, I saw. Yeah. And I've had a blog and like when I started my career a decade ago, I blogged five days a week, every single day for years. Like, I don't even know what I wrote about at this point, but I still blog a lot. And so I love writing. Um, but I, you know, book is a whole new undertaking where it's like, there's structure and there, you know, what comes before this and there's parts and like, but if I could live a life where like, I just lived up at our cabin in Northern Minnesota and wrote books, like, you can't, well, why not? You can, I know. Well, you can I know. Uh, if anyone can kind of do it, I think it's you. It's true. I, I really have enjoyed the process, but it is crazy too, because I'm like, this is for someone who is in the digital world yeah. where we're used to like churning out content. Yeah. We have an idea, we put it up, we publish it, we get feedback to have like a two year time span oh, where you are just working without any feedback, you know. It's hard. It's intimidating. Well, you're like a great content creator. I mean, like there's, I think that's, and again, like you have to figure that out. Can we talk a little bit about this? Like, how did you become, like, when did you decide that you create your podcast? It's how many years now? It's been like five, four or five. Yeah. So when did you decide to do a podcast? Like why? And then how did you build it to where it is with the courses? And like, again, this is not something that you knew about, right? Yeah. So the podcast was an experiment for me. Okay. And I actually tell the story in the book because I think a lot of times we want to have it all figured out before we begin. Yep. And we do everything but the actual work required to do the <laughs> exactly. thing. Right? It's I like, talk about that all the time. I too. need the logo. Yeah. And like, it's like none of that matters. Literally none, none of, of it. it. Like all of the things that were tripping me up about starting a podcast have all changed over the years because none of it matters. But can I interrupt for one second? Yeah. Is that how you... S- was that your first, um, was that the big, you could tell you have a blog also. Yeah. What, was a blog first, then the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you already were, you already were tracking and having a lot of success doing the blog, yes. right? And you, your blog was really about, for people who don't you know, know yeah. what was your blog about that even was like the evolution to the podcast? Yeah. It started as just wedding photography back yeah, then. And right. then I started sharing a little bit more personal life. Then I started sharing more about business, but the podcast was birthed out of loneliness, to be honest. We lived in a village a village, an actual village of 3,200 people. And I worked from home. I didn't know anybody. And like entrepreneurship was freaking lonely. And every once in a while, I'd be really blessed to have a conversation offline with someone who is an entrepreneur, regardless of if they were in a parallel industry or not. And I was like, man, like if I could just get people on the phone and ask them questions, maybe this would feel less isolating. And I committed to doing 10 episodes. So I was like, everything I do, I look at it as an experiment, not a success or a failure, because I think we give like definitions in a wrong way that makes us feel like we have to succeed if it's not the right thing. So it's like, I'm going to do 10 episodes and just see how it feels, see if I enjoy it. So I recorded the first one with iPhone headphones in my garage because my dogs bark all the time. And I was so worried they'd bark. I use like my phone voice, like, you know, the voice yes. that you use when you do yeah. like, hello, this is Jenna Goodger. Yes, yes. Uh, I can't even listen back to the beginning. Um, but what is funny and what is wild is that even to this day, most of my episodes are recorded in a closet with boxes from our move from four years ago that we've still oh, not I emptied. And there's zero production value, but it is like all heart. It's just the message. And I think I've recognized that like the mission and the message matter so much more than the method. And so often we get caught up in the method where it's like, it needs to look good. And he's like, and it's like, nobody cares, give them the content and let them, let them consume it. And so at the beginning, my show was all interviews. I did not see the value that I brought to the table. Right. So yes, I have been confident, but there have been so many times where I'm like, everyone else is an expert and I'm going to let them lead. And after a while I was like, wait, I have things to say, or like, I do this differently. And so then it just continued to grow and evolve. But to this day, like I record in my pajamas, I like hit record. And I mean, like it is 
so low production value. It's incredible the success it's found, but it also reminds me to like do things in the way that allow you to actually do them. Yeah. That's a really great point. So then, cause, but you have to have things to say. So yeah. you, you, I thought I'd run out a long time ago. I, I was going to say like, it's so, <laughs> after all these years, yeah. how are you able to keep it fresh yeah. and not regurgitate the same stuff? Yeah. And like, it's amazing. It is amazing. And it's actually funny. My brother has the best. I told you so, because he told me a long time ago, I thought, I think you should do a podcast. And I was like, dude, I would run out of things to say like five yeah. episodes in and we're like 550 episodes in. Um, you know, it's fascinating because we do a mix of research. Mm-hmm. So like I was just working on an outline for an episode about retirement and planning for retirement as an entrepreneur. So I do a lot of research. Um, I also just share a lot about life. And then the other thing is, is that the marketing world is always evolving. Yeah. And, I, and I am someone who loves to like test and play and like try things. Like right. I'm not afraid to like commit to things and say, I'm just going to see what happens and then share those results with people. So I actually just have so many ideas that sometimes my team is like, bring it in. Wow. How big is your team now? Like you went from like, we have like 10 women all remote. I haven't seen them in years. Um, most are mothers. We all work from home. We don't use our cell phones for work. We have very high boundaries and really everyone has been with me. I mean, like no one's left. Like we all love each other, like family. It's kind of wild. How did you grow? Like give us like some, like, so that you, so your podcast started to have a lot of traction. Yeah. Um, when did you decide to start your online courses and like kept on like, like that's all, how did you even know how to do this? Like create a course (laughs) and like, and the whole online business is very, like it's overwhelming for people. So overwhelming. And like you were saying earlier, like it's about building a brand, right? Yep. Not a business. Yep. So what was your strategy? What yeah. did you have? Like, what was your... So here's what I do. And it, I mean, it's not earth shattering, but maybe it will be to somebody. Maybe to somebody who is. So when I decided I want to teach, I started doing one-on-one mentorship. And people would come to our little apartment and it was like photographers. So mm. I had popped out there like, hey... Willing to do like half day mentorships. Is anyone interested? Well, within like an hour, like 25 people had said yes. So it's doing these one-on-one sessions and recognizing that I was saying the same thing over and over and over again. And I have been in the service of trading time for money too many times. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm literally telling these people the same exact thing every single time. How can I get this out to more people? Now I did it through non-traditional means in that this guy, I like got on a prospecting call somehow with this guy. He had an online course. I said, I actually don't really care about your content, but if I buy it, will you tell me how you built it? And I love being a student of like trying to reverse engineer how people got successful. Yeah. Like while I am like all about like lifestyle and things like I love nitty gritty. Yeah. Strategy. That's what I want. That's what I'm oh, trying to get I from you. I love it. I want to yes. know exactly step by step. So I asked him, I said, if I buy this course, it's a couple thousand dollars. It was like my first big investment in myself. Um, well, you teach me exactly how to do it. So he's like, sure, I'll I'll teach you. So my first course that I ever built was audio only, me sitting in my bed with a microphone. This is pre-podcast. Me sitting in bed with a microphone being like, and in module one, you learn about branding. And I put together this program and um, charged $2,500, had 25 people take it. So right off the bat, like matched my annual salary from my corporate days. Wow. And realized we're on to this. And in those days, I did a ton of like one-on-one calls. So every student got like personal mentoring. Like I poured into people. But then again, I realized, crap, I'm in the service of trading time for money again. Yes. How do I keep shifting to get myself out of it, but to still get people results? And that's been like the decade-long process. But when you think about it, there is no shortage of knowledge out there. Like think of how many podcasts and YouTube channels. I mean, you can Google anything and learn it. And so when I think about my courses, my podcast and my free resources are the what and the why. So I'm teaching people what, whether it's a marketing strategy or a tweak or a system or an efficiency act, and the why. Why is this going to matter? How is this going to affect their lives? My courses are the how. Here's the step-by-step process that you do this and save yourself time, money, energy, and frustration. And so 
people can get results from the free knowledge. It's up to them to implement it. But if you're ready for the how, that's where you invest. Well, I love, you said a a bunch of stuff that I love, like people, uh, was it, you said something, yeah, about information gatherers rather than into like intuition seekers. You have all these amazing like lines here about like believing yourself. But what I was going to even get to is, it's the implementation where people get stuck. Absolutely. They, they, can, they can do all the knowledge and they can like, they can hear every podcast, read every book. And then, and then what? The execution is not there. Well, right. And I think that oftentimes we tell ourselves we're going to piecemeal a plan mm-hmm. together. And what happens is, is because there is so much information out there, mm-hmm. it gets so overwhelming or it's contradictory or you're like, well, totally. this person said to do this and this person said to do this. And that's where we go from being information gatherers to intuition seekers of like coming back to yourself and saying, what is approachable to me or what resonated with me? Like I sit at tables with some of the most brilliant minds in the business world. And if I can just walk away with one actionable thing, that trip was worth it or that table was worth it. I'm not there taking a hundred notes. I'm asking myself when I go to bed that night, what am I remembering? What stood out to me? What actually was for me? Yeah. And I think a lot of times we're the kind of people who like want to sit in the front row and take every single note and write down the exact system and the step-by-step process. But there's a line in the book that says like, sometimes if, if you're not where you thought you would be, maybe the directions from someone else are not going to get you to where you want to go. And it's like, we've lost this level of like discernment of like, yeah, this does fit me. Like I was telling you, like, I appreciate how people have teams and setups and like they have these systems around their show. For me, I know that that's not going to work for me. Like if I'm going to keep producing content, it's going to be in my closet where I can waltz in after my kids go to school or whatever that is. So no, I think that's a really good point. I think that the discernment is super important and knowing yourself is about yes. having that self-awareness Absolutely, to know like what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I totally am in agreement with a lot of these things. I I'm like, all oh, these people have these teams and they have this and they're doing that. Like what am how, why am I doing it this way? It yeah. seems like, and I second guess myself a mm-hmm. lot of times because they're doing it another way and that they have success. Yes. And how would you tell like people, your audience when, when that happens, when people do second guess or to believe in themselves or not even believe in themselves, but have like trust their gut. Yeah. Right. Cause a lot of times we don't, and we look at someone else and be yes. like, well, they're doing it correctly because yes. they're more successful. Yes. Oh, I was so bummed when I found out that my book was in the self-help category because <laughs> there are so many gurus out there. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I say this with so much love because well, I everyone's could be a self-proclaimed yes. guru. And I could be seen in that light, but the book is not about here is my step-by-step process that you must adopt. The book is about coming home to yourself mm-hmm. to listen to your own intuition. Like there's a line that's like, it's not about my answers. It's about you finding your own and uncovering those. And so it's funny because a lot of times when we feel guilt about like, well, we're not doing things the way that other people are doing them or whatever, it's like our eyes are like lifted up on everyone else. And like, we have forgotten what it feels like to just like come back home to ourselves and be like, does this work for me? Is that even what I want? Right. Like I was just joking because um, I was at somebody's house and like, they had like housekeepers and landscapers and all these people. And I was like, I don't like anyone being in my house. Like if I want to walk around naked, I want to walk around naked. Like, and I was like, good for them, but not for me. Amy Poehler always says that. And I love that line. It's so true. Good for them, not for me. And I know that. And that's where it's like that unapologetic of like, I'm onto something that works for me. It's the self-awareness. How do you, can you, do you think that's an innate thing to says, can someone get better at self-awareness? Absolutely. Yeah. So in my book and, and the reason why we did the title, how are you really Mm -hmm. is because it's kind of that difference, Jen, when you're like, how are you good, busy, every, you know, kids are great, whatever. And then like you're like surface garbage. Yes. You're like with a close friend yeah. and like you get past all that and you kind of like get comfortable in the conversation and you lean in and you're like, how are you really? And the whole premise of that is because I think we've gotten so far away from ourselves and our self belief and our desires and our own definition of success. And the idea here is one, yes, getting conversations like this, where we can ask each other those things, but two, get in conversation with yourself yeah, and get honest with yourself. I think it's 
freaking scary for a lot of people. Yeah, that's really scary. It's terrifying. Mm -hmm. I think we'd be almost like, it'd be up there with public speaking of like being alone with yourself. Like how do you feel when you're alone with yourself? Right. And then what you want to do is like distract yourself and busy yourself because you don't want to. why we go pee with ourselves. Yeah, It's like we can't even sit long enough to pee. It's so true Isn't though. it crazy? Oh God, a hundred percent. And it's like we go from, I saw this funny meme and it was like, we go from looking at computer screens to looking at TV screens to looking at TV screens. And then we go to bed to read on screens. It's 100%. like our lot, you know what I mean? And so it's like, we are so pacified that we've forgotten how to listen to ourselves a hundred percent and how to trust that voice. And I think it's really fascinating because we all have our intuition. And in fact, if you are a woman listening to the show, I would argue that women are far more intuitive mm-hmm. And society and expectations and relationships have all caused us to like turn the dial down on our own intuition and yep. to doubt that voice. It's like we hear that inner mean girl and think like that's the voice when really like our intuition is like the whisper yep. that we've drowned out. And so I absolutely believe that people can strengthen their ability to do that, but it's going to require learning how to be quiet with yourself and also likely unearthing answers to questions like, am I happy? Does this feel like success? Am I where I thought I wanted to be? Do I need to change? And that stuff is scary, Mm -hmm. but I kind of liken it to like, you know, when you have something on your to-do list and it's like, go to the DMV or like schedule the doctor's appointment and you dread it. And then you finally do it. And you're like, that really wasn't so bad. Exactly. We think it's much worse than it is. You spend like three hours dreading the thing that's going to take you 20 minutes. And then you're like, okay, I just wasted all that time. Absolutely. I think we're wasting our lives by not asking ourselves those questions. We are. But at the same time, I agree with you. Um, What... (sighs) It's like the hard stuff. Like once you put it out there, then you have to do something about it. That's the issue, right? Yes. So sometimes easier not to voice it. it. Right. Right. Um, I agree with you because I, so there are three parts in the book and the last Mm -hmm. one is like, what are you going to do about it? Because it's like basically like, who are you really? Yeah. And who do you have and who has you? And now what are you going to do about it? Right. And I agree that it is scary to face that a lot of us probably do need changes, whether it's relational, career, aspirational, success, redefining success. Um, But at the same time, I feel like we won't regret when we do the work. Yeah. I think that's a good point, Mm -hmm. but we're too scared. There's that like thing between that to Mm -hmm. actually do the work, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's, and that's, that's why people just suppress it and like, okay, I'll just take what's good enough because because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to have the pain of going through it instead. Do you ever find yourself? Okay. Let's talk about this. Do you ever find yourself where you're like maybe feeling down or frustrated or, or stuck? And then you like gratitude your way into just being okay with those feelings. Like where you're like, but I have so many blessings mm-hmm. and my kids are healthy. It's called justification. Uh-huh. Yes. And we do that so often. And I think part of that comes from us as human beings being so aware that there are millions and millions of people that have it worse than us, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's beautiful. I think that awareness is beautiful. But we've started to forget that like, our heart is still hard. Mm-hmm. And like, I even find myself doing it when I'm like in a tough, like week of motherhood and I'll like text my best friends and I'll be like, oh man, like toddler sleep training is just like eating me alive. Yeah. I'm exhausted. And then like, but I'm so grateful because I have healthy kids and I'm so, you know, and it's like, we have so many butts and like so many caveats and you feel guilty even yes. saying it out loud. Yes. Yeah. We don't feel safe anymore doing that. And, no. and we definitely don't feel safe doing that in our own lives. And so I just think it is a fascinating time for women, but what I really believe is the answer is that a lot of us doubt our own ability to get progress. Mm-hmm. We've set out to do so many things and failed or not followed through. And I think we're walking around with so much shame, like that we didn't do what we said or we aren't where we thought we'd be. Right. And a lot of times it's because we do these extreme things. We're like, I'm going to cut sugar for the next 30 days and like five hours in we're done. And we, we hate ourselves for it. Yes, exactly. And so it's like, we have to learn how to inch forward and recognize that progress and small progress is still progress. Right. Right. And I look at the way that I've done things and the way that I've pivoted 
And the interesting thing about it, because I was really looking for themes, like why has this worked? What, what is the secret sauce? And it's because I've always allowed myself to inch really slowly. Yeah. So when I started my podcast, I didn't just abandon everything that had got me to where I was. Right. I kept doing that and let the podcast be a hobby until it became a job. And yeah. then when I decided to do the book, it became a hobby until it became a job. And I think we've just forgotten that we have this ability to get and make progress and we don't trust ourselves to do that. And so the only way to do it is slowly. Well, you know, you, you mentioned him in your book. I had him on my podcast a couple of times, BJ Fogg and, yeah. and tiny habits. Yes. Like, do tiny Microscopically things. small. Microscopic. Yeah, exactly. Like, because we're in a world right now where it's all about go big or go home Yes, and, you know, go all in or else yes. you won't have success and all that. And there is something to be said about just having it like as a hobby, mm -hmm. but people that all like, it's that other voice or too much social media or yeah. all these big, hard personalities being like, no, you're not going to be successful if you just have a side hustle. Like, but the truth of the matter is a lot of people have bills to pay. Yeah. They can't just quit their job yes. and, and do that. Right. Yeah. So I think it's like a very realistic way of going about it to becoming yeah kind of more of the evolution person or the more self-actualized person that you want to be. Yeah. I, every single thing that I do in my mm -hmm. life and for my work started as a side hustle. Yeah. And exactly. I want to speak to that more because I do feel like there are these camps where it's like, you're either a CEO or a hobbyist. Mm -hmm. Like how's your little business doing when it might actually be booming or you might, you know, totally. And it's fascinating to me because when we look at like the world right now and like the great resignation where mm -hmm. people are saying like, I'm out, like, I'm not happy. This does not feel or look like success. I'm saying no to these things. We have to start building people up to know that like start the hobby and, and maybe it turns into the passion and the passion turns into profits, but like you got to just start. Yeah. And that's the problem. Exactly. And I like, I love side hustlers because to me, I did everything. I never went into debt for my business. I like funded it very slowly and resourcefully, just like my parents. And I did it through side hustling. Yeah. And so I love, I love speaking to that because I think a lot of times we disqualify ourselves from even starting Yeah. because we're like, I can't go all in or it can't be perfect or I can't, you know, we worry so much about like looking like a business that we aren't actually a business You're not a business that makes money. Well, I, I also, where, 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 where's your stance on like social media, right? Yeah. Because it can be, it could be, I think it could be used as a great tool. Yeah. But a lot of times it's not. Yes. There's a whole competitive like, competition, right? Like yeah. you look at everyone else's life or yes. thinking that they're doing it better or you, comp you compare yourself. So therefore that also stalls you, right? Yes, absolutely. Right? Because A, it's a time suck, right? Because yep. you get stuck for those hours that you're spending on social media, you could be spending on like making a better life for yourself by starting whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And what I like about your book, as you were saying, it's not just about how to be successful in business. It's literally yeah. about like whatever floats your boat. Like yes. it could be success in relationships or business if you want it or motherhood. life or motherhood. It's because I think success is very different for everyone. Yeah. And just because you want to be a big entrepreneur, doesn't mean that person over there wants to. But, Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, how I feel about social media is always it's complicated. Like yeah. the Facebook relationship status. Yeah. <laughs> my goal is always like, I want my life offline to be far more beautiful than life presented online. Totally. Now in alignment with that is I have always been so conscious that my Instagram and social media will not be a highlight reel. Right. Because I have met so many people. I want to know, I'm sure you have as well where their life looks perfect Beautiful. and you meet them behind the scenes or years later they say, Hey, remember when that looked so good? I was dying inside or I was an anxious mess or mm -hmm. I was in rehab or I was going through a divorce. And you're like, how do I trust you now that what you're presenting isn't a false reality? Yeah. It always just kind of like tweaks me a little bit where totally. I'm like, so you are presenting this life and it's not what was happening. And I had a huge realization around this when we lost a really close friend to us in a car accident years ago. And I remember after he passed away, looking at his social media feeds and thinking this was his legacy and he didn't even realize he was writing it. And oh, I looked wow. at yeah. like, what was his last post? 
what was he talking about? And none of it was profound, right? Like we don't necessarily look at that. But I committed at that time in my life, I said, I want to look back on this and be like, this was real. It wasn't a highlight reel. This was R-E-A-L real. Mm -hmm. And I've shared about our miscarriages and body Mm -hmm. image and motherhood struggles and entrepreneurship and the realities and all of these things. Because when I scroll back, if it is real, it was my real life in that season. And I don't ever want people to get it twisted. And I, I recognize that like every square, every post, every publish is a part of my legacy. It's my digital legacy. Now my book feels like a real legacy, but I don't think we realize that. Yeah. I think that's so true. And I think the majority of people, it's not reality. No. And, and, but again, because there's like fear in that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like comp- everyone feels very competitive. Like, you know, you you do it, you are so honest. And yeah. even with like that post, I mean, that I saw the, the whole body image thing in itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, like, it was amazing to me mm-hmm. that there are people out there that would say such cruel things to me. Like, uh, these troll, like, who, where, who are these people? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you seem unfazed by it. Yeah. Like, I, it was, it was a blessing in disguise. Uh, it's, yeah. So, Jen's talking about, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to talk about that. Post yeah. that went viral. And it's me in a bathing suit standing next to my By husband. I thought you look great. <laughs> I agree. I thought so I thought, like, too. The first thought was I like, still think that. yeah. And I thought, oh my God, this is such a nice picture. It yes. never would even have occurred to me. Yes. So I am a size 12 and I always just have been, and I'm a really healthy person and I'm really invested in my health and health is not a size. And, and by the way, I wanted to say something that's so important that yeah. I, I wanted to, I was screaming at the, at the post when I saw it the yeah. other day again, cause you yeah. reposted it recently yeah. was like, first of all, like, I believe sex appeal comes from within. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you look like really on the outside. Yes. Like if you are confident and self-assured, that is the hottest thing bar Amen. none. Amen. Right. Amen. So you can be, you can be like size zero and smoking hot on the outside, but be a total loser in the inside. And it shows because it comes out. Well, that's all I have to say. And my husband is ripped and he loves health and fitness. Like he, yeah, well, I was was asking you earlier, I thought he's a a personal trainer. I thought he loves, and that is his thing. And my thing is business. I'd get along with her husband. Great. You really (laughs) would. And it's so funny. So essentially the post was that someone had messaged me and said, how did a girl like you manage to land a guy like him? And I said, you know, excuse me, like, first off, we've been together for over a decade. My body has changed over a decade. I had already suffered two miscarriages. I was in the process of trying to get pregnant again. So like this person had no idea what my body had been through. But the funny thing was, and I don't usually clap back um, or I was anything. Say, you no, don't I don't, ever. I don't do that ever. But in that moment, I was like, how dare you? Like, we are so much more than our bodies. And like, our love is so much deeper than surface level. And what was wild is the post went viral. And there's beautiful sides of going viral. And there are negative sides. And I um, just have embraced the beautiful sides of it. Because it brought a lot of people into our world. And a lot of people felt less alone from feeling that way. Because, you know, a lot of my body insecurity comes from being married to a man who is so fit. But I've learned that like that is his passion and his purpose Mm -hmm. and mine looks different. And if I am prioritizing and working on healing my relationship with food or, you know, moving my body now, not out of punishment and like things like that, like that is the most healthy way that I can start to operate. And so it is funny. And you know, what's wild is that when I was writing, I wasn't going to put anything in the book about bodies, but I've really learned that the way that we feel about our bodies impacts how we show up on a visceral level. Mm -hmm. That's true. Part of the reason why I never loved doing video is because I didn't like the way I looked on video. And I felt like the camera Mm -hmm. adds 10 pounds and like, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to have to read YouTube comments about what I looked like. And so I would record in my closet with no video on. And I didn't want to speak on stages and I didn't, you know, there were, there are definitely, you know, I'm a confident person, but there are definitely insecurities around my body. And have you ever looked at a picture of yourself from like five years ago and you're like, why did I not see how freaking gorgeous I was? Oh, Why no. did I not walk around naked more? Like, you know what I mean? Well, I actually am hard. I'm very critical on yeah. myself, but 
Um, no, I, I always see the imperfection. I'm yes. learning to get better with that. Yes. Um, but I will, I, I do feel like I'm, I'm very naturally confident though. Yes. Like I don't Absolutely think how are. I look or don't look makes a difference on what, like, you know, I hate my nose, for example. I've never, I want, I always hated it. I would have never and, noticed your nose in a million years. Oh, well, thank you. But <laughs> I, I do. And like, so like th why I'm bringing this up is it never stopped me from getting anything I wanted in yes. life. Right. Like, yes. because it didn't, it didn't, re it didn't represent who I am as a whole. It just is something I don't really love that much. Yes. Right. But I had, I did a Ted talk and it went viral millions and millions of people are yeah. like, you know, thousands of comments, you know, a hundred thousand comments, let's say, and let's say out of like 2000 comments, I read yeah. one comment is, you know, she's, I hate her nose or she's got a big nose. And that's the one that like stings. We remember right? those you verbatim. Rem right. It's almost like we're scrolling through the positivity to just seek to find out the negative. What is wrong with us? That's what, that's why I'm bringing <laughs> it up. Like you could yeah. have accolades up the, you know, yin yang, but that one thing that you're sensitive, if you are sensitive about that yeah. thing, it stings oh, and you yeah. feel it. And that's, and why I'm, why I'm even bringing this up is like, you didn't, even though you were saying you had these body image issues prior when you, you kind of, I embrace felt it. like embrace. Yeah. You it's embraced part of it. my superpower yeah. in that the more that I've shared about the things I struggle with or feel vulnerable or, or want to hide the more that I realize, like those are liberating, but those are the things that connect me to other 100%, people. Hundred percent. That that's exactly what it is, and it makes you feel like a normal person. And I feel like we are all walking around or scrolling with our thumbs, trying to feel more enough and less alone. And it's like if I like the things. It's kind of like Jen, like when you call out the things that you're worried someone will call out, like when you're like, Hey, yes. I know my nose is big. It's like a, a protective mechanism 100%. so that I am aware of this. So you can't say it to hurt me. You can't weaponize it against exactly. me. Exactly. And so it can come from that place, but it's fascinating because it also helps us to really connect with people. And in sharing those things, it just really helps people to understand that like, I am a human being. I get ingrown hairs, <laughs> I pluck chin hairs. I, you know, like I, we all totally. do. It's like those old magazines where it's like celebrities, they're just like us, yes. they pump gas and stuff. It's like, well, no kidding, we're all human. A hundred percent, but you people forget that, right? Yeah. And so like you, so that's, so with social media being something that obviously has been like a big platform for you, Yeah. Um, what do you like, has it not ever, you don't play that game, that whole competitive game or this person's doing this. Are you, so what do you tell other people, your listeners when they say, well, you know, so-and-so like, what kind of advice do you give them? Show up in any way that you can yeah, show up. And just don't, don't it play looks that game. different in every season. And yeah. so here's a good challenge. Maybe this would be a good, like tactical thing. So I challenge myself to show Oops. 60 seconds of my life a day. That's it. 60 seconds. That's four Instagram stories. If you do the math. Wow. Yeah. And so if I can let people into just one minute of my day, whether I'm in sweatpants or spit up or the baby's <laughs> crying, like just letting people into one minute of your day is a beautiful place to start just feeling comfortable, but also connecting. Mm -hmm. And so that's like always my challenge is like, how can I just let people in just one minute of my day? It's like, you know, less than 1% of my life. Right. Right. But it still is me just showing up and it's challenged me to not just show up when I'm camera ready or have makeup on, but to just show my life. The other piece of that too, is that there are different seasons where things make sense. Yeah. And I have learned to just approach things in a way that offers myself grace when I'm inspired, share when I'm not inspired, don't apologize. It's like when people take a week off of social media and they come back on and they're like, I'm so sorry. I took a week off. I'm like, Nobody noticed. Yeah. Well, that's nobody cared. Don't apologize. You were living your life. A hundred percent. People, I think, also always think that other people are paying attention to them. Nobody's paying nobody attention. cares. They're too no worried about refreshing themselves. their your feed. Yeah. Like they're not even. <laughs> you know what? I don't even think people pay. Like when you do a story, yeah. or whatever, or whatever. I go through the stories. I don't know what they're even posting. People yes. are just. It's. It's. I think it's become so autopilot people yes. aren't even, don't even know what you're doing if, yes. if it's you if it's not you if it's this person that person it, it's become such a 
I, I don't know. I think it's overtaking people's life to such Absolutely. a terrible place. I guess this is my, how do you, how do you make it not become your life? How yeah. do you not get like, you know, uh, part of thrown into those, to that, to that trap that yeah. is a trap because that's virtually how you make your money in a way too yeah. online. You know? So I have this rule where I never post in real time. What I mean by that is like, have you ever been out at like a beautiful dinner and you look around and yes. everyone's on their phone? Always. Or you're at a concert and everyone's on their phone, like posting the story of a moment that they thought was so important they should capture, but now they're missing it. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, you know, and so I have this rule where it's yeah. like, capture whatever you want to capture and set your phone aside Yep. and come back to it. Does it still feel like you need to share it? Does it still feel important? Does it matter to anyone but you? Yeah. How so are true. you inviting people into the moment? So like, I always have to take space from photos. Like I only shoot photos on my camera in that I have to intentionally sit down, pull it onto my computer, look at it, think about it. Yeah. Is it worth sharing? Do people care? Does it help connect me to anyone? The answer is no, I'm not gonna share it. And so I think that we've forgotten like the power of the pause. Yeah. Just pause for a minute, take some space. And so it's like, we're so immediate. Like if I don't post, it didn't happen. And it's like, that's not healthy and it's not helping. Absolutely. Would you, what would you say is the most popular type of podcast that you do or that people want information from? Is it mostly about personal? Is it personal? It shocks me every time. Is it relationship or just people are curious about the people behind the things. Mm -hmm. And I always avoid it when my team is like, yeah, you know, you should do like ask Jenna anything. I'm like, I am so boring. Why (laughs) would anyone care? And they all care. They all care. I mean, like I do interviews with like my mom or things. I mean, they outperform some of the celebrities I talk to because it's like people just want to know the person. Yeah. And so it's fascinating. Sorry, I know you got to go soon. It's a good reminder for us that like people care about you. Yeah. And a lot of times it's easy for us to be like, no, they don't. But like they do. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that sometimes people overestimate like for this anyway, I've had a lot of celebrities and they never, like a lot of times they don't do as well. You think that because they have a big name that people care about them. Oh, they don't because it's just another interview for them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Whereas the people who see it as like a true honor are going to go out and shout it from the rooftops. Well, 100%. And it's, it's also, again, it's all comes back to authenticity, right? Absolutely. Like this is a real conversation you and I are having, you know what I mean? Yes. And I think that th- that type of thing resonates much better than these cookie cutter answer response question Absolutely. thing. Like no one cares. Yeah. You know? And I like, mean, you and I were like connecting via text of like motherhood and kids and living in the Northern part exactly. of the country and like, it, you know, being it's a real just, person. Yes. And so, yeah, it is, it's a great reminder, no matter where you are, or what you want to do, People are curious about you and they want more of you. Yeah, I, I think that's a, I'm gonna, uh, that, I think that's awesome and true. I know we got to wrap it up because I think you have like another, you're doing like a hundred of these, <laughs> but I have to ask you about, of course, finding goal setting and all that stuff. That's what you, that's your podcast. That's what you talk about a lot. It's in your book a lot, not a lot, but it's a piece of it. Yeah. What's the difference between goal get like goal setting really. And yeah. like goal getting, there's yeah. a big difference. There's a line in my book where it's like, I am the host of the gold digger podcast. And while I love that people are digging goals, they're not going and getting them. Yeah. And one of the biggest themes in my book and one of the reasons why I feel like it is the perfect book for right now is because I feel like we are in two camps as women entrepreneurs. Yeah. There's the manifestation side, the woo side, and then there's the hustle side, the work side. And I feel like women in this polarizing world we live in feel like they have to choose one or the other. Yeah. And I truly believe that there's magic where like the woo meets the work. You can hold the visions, you can have the visualizations, you can have those beliefs and those things that you are working on and the mantras, but you also have to be willing to do the work to get there. Yep. And how do we do this in a sustainable, approachable way that feels like success? It doesn't just look like success. And so the difference between goal digging and like goal getting is those impossibly small BJ Fogg Mm -hmm. movements, those inch by inch progress is progress, slow growth is deep roots moments where we're like, I am just going to lace up the sneakers today. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, I was going to say something about that because, um, 
the woo, it's funny because I, I, that's a big conversation we have a lot because yeah. this is much more about not the woo woo. Yes, right. Absolutely. And, and then there are other people like, you know, people are like, yeah, she's not, this one's very woo woo. She's not very woo woo, yes. whatever. Um, and it's cause I don't think I'm a woo woo person. Yeah. Uh, and it's been hard for me because I, it's hard for me to connect with people who are about law of attraction yeah. and, and manifesting. Are you a believer in those things though? So I had a really amazing guest, Dr. Tara Swart on my podcast. And I was I like, know that right. One. Oh, I should connect you to her. She's yeah. amazing. Um, what and does I she do? Like, break down. So she is a doctor. She studied neuroscience. I, oh, I love that. And it was about like, does visualization work? Does manifestation work? And she said like, the only reason it works is because you are awake to the vision. Mm -hmm. And if you keep that vision close, it's like if you're on the market to buy a new car and all of a sudden you're paying attention to cars, you've mm -hmm. been driving by them for months, but you didn't see them until you were really looking. Yeah. 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 And so manifestation absolutely can work in the way that you are awake to what you want yeah. and you're paying attention and noticing more. So yeah, you are like going to see what you're looking out to find. And right. so I just believe like I have the power of having visions and like, not just like a vision of like, I'm on a beach somewhere. Like, but like right. I visualized my life with like my daughter when we were struggling with our fertility journey. And then I, I was that. willing to do the work that it took to like heal my body and like figure out like, how is this going to happen? So it's like where the woo meets the work. I love that. But the visualization is one thing. I think that you have to visual, you have to have a picture in your head of what you want. Yep. I guess there's like, I guess it becomes, that's why I love when you say that the woo and the work, Again, yes. another great like way of like your wording, because if it's too woo woo, yeah. then there's no you implementation. Lose you lose yes. people. Yeah. And it's, there's no implementation. It's very hard to kind of grasp and understand. Yep. I like that woman. Would you hook me up to that lady? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Her episode great. was one of my favorite episodes ever because, um, she was just, I mean, one, it was very like scientific, yeah. which I love. I'm like, that. tell me how this actually works. Exactly. But then two, she gave you like steps of like, yeah, it works, but here's why, because you're seeing this. Like if you had your screensaver on your phone, be your vision board, yep. you will be reminded every time you pick up your phone, is this aligned with the vision? Yeah, right? exactly. You're going to check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> I, I, again, this is where you, you should be doing this all day. <laughs> this is why you're a great content creator. You have so many of these like great one-liners. Yeah. You should be a copywriter. Is that your next thing? I mean, I like writing copy. I write a lot of my own do you copy. Write, I was going to so. say, do you write all your own copy? Not all of it, but a lot of it. Because these little, these little one, <laughs> the whole book is like that yeah, though. Yeah. It's a, I was like it's writing them down. Like yeah. over, like what was the other one? I was like, it was all of them. They're so good. Aww. Oh, I have to ask you this because it's so important. And then we can wrap yeah. about building a community. I yeah. think that's really important that yeah. we didn't really get to because that is really how you kind of thrive. People need teams of people. It's not yep. just one person, right? Yeah. How do you really build an authentic community for people who, really are struggling and yeah. who really want to thrive and be successful in whatever walk of life they want to do. Focus on serving and not selling. Mm. And I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs and people that do have products or brands or things like that, we get so fixated on the sale mm -hmm. that we forget to do the service. And 90% of the time I am just straight up serving. And I just believe that if I can get people results without them spending a penny, when they have the pennies, they'll come back and invest. And I want to get people results for free so that they're able to make yeah. those investments and feel confident in betting on themselves. And so we're so fixated on more, but serve the people that are there. Yeah. And if you look, if you were to scroll all the way back in my feed, I was talking about all of this when nobody was there, when I got 12 Facebook <laughs> likes or whatever, you know? Yes. And so it's like, use the megaphone, whether it's to the people in your church or the kids at your feet or the family members and start sharing that mission now because that mission will become your message and you will be able to follow through in a way that actually makes an impact. That's amazing. Are you in a mastermind or anything like that? Not anymore. I don't yeah. got time. Yeah, I was going to say, well, do you have time for those things? <laughs> God, I, I love oh, meeting you in person. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Jen. No, it was it was honestly a pleasure. And when does your book actually come out? What's the yes, date? June 28th. Oh, June 20th. Okay. Oh, wow. So we have a little bit of time. Yes. How are you really? I love that title even. Yes, thank you so much. And you can grab it at howareyoureallybook.com or anywhere books are sold. Oh, you're just the best thank, thank you. you thanks for having me of course mm -hmm. come back please next time I you're will. here i will 
Okay. And then I need to have you on my show. I guess when I have my book, well, when my book comes out in December, are we, Perfect. bye. <laughs> bye everybody. Bye. <laughs> Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.